Good morning. Good morning. Um, I know you're doing something else, but Yvonne, I am going to have you pull that up for me. There was a song that we did uh, that's written by Lindy, and the bridge of that song speaks such truth and is so powerful. It says, there's a yes in our hearts and it carries through eternity. Simple obedience changes history. I know that's a catchy little phrase that we sang in the bridge of that song. But I want you to understand the truth of that phrase. There's a yes in our hearts. When we give our yes, it's not intended for a single time. Right? When God wants our yes, he wants our full yes. He wants our forever yes. He wants that yes literally to carry through eternity. Right? Because we were bought with a price. When we give ourselves to him, he doesn't want us to take any pieces back or hold anything back but to just give him our yes forever. And then the simple obedience that changes history are the small yeses that we give that he uses. If you look throughout the word of God, God always did things with small packages. Right? And it's really, really amazing. He did things in huge ways with these small packages. That yes from even a single person can change history. Can change the direction of this material world. Of what manifests here. Look at what changed when David said, yes, I'll take on Goliath. I'm not afraid. Look at what changed. The, the blessing that God brought upon Israel from that moment was a game changer. So many examples like that in the word of God. But that is not just a historical thing. That is something he wants right now. He wants today. And I am so thankful to know that there are pockets like what we are here at Ignition. There are pockets all over the world in these seeming small packages that God is going to use to literally change history. I want to encourage those, especially online, that watch us from some of these remote, very difficult places, like Pakistan, like Kenya, like India. Don't look at the size of who you are or what you have around you to think that that is the measure in which God moves. It's not. All he calls for is a single heart that will, in absolute, just say yes to him. Be that heart. Be that heart that will say yes. Because although you may seem small now, he will connect all the small and make it big. Notice that I said he will connect it. Because this is something supernatural that he is doing and is about to do. So be excited for what he's doing. If, if your only link is to connect with those others who say yes over 
the internet like this, then do it. But even that's not necessary. If it's a bit, if it's available, then do it. But the important thing is the yes. The yes to the Lord. Because that is between you and Him. And what He does with that yes will amaze you and everyone around you. I love that. I love to be reminded of that. Let's pray. Father, we worship you. We praise you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy. God, we thank you that you put us on a pathway when we say yes. And Lord, as we continue saying yes, our yes is tested. But it is in those very tests that you build our faith. That you build our intimacy with you, our closeness with you, our closeness with others who say yes. Father, you have been saying for years to me, it even became our our theme, if you want to call it that, tagline, whatever you want to call it, for ignition, that there's an army rising up. God, I'm, I'm excited to portray to everybody listening that you said something different in the last couple of weeks. You said the army has risen. That isn't to say that more won't be added, because they will be. It's to say that all over the world you have prepared hearts for what is coming and what is even upon us. Because although the world may seem to be in chaos, you will bring a peace, a supernatural peace to your remnant, to those who have given and continue to give their yes. Without holding back, without putting up parameters, but just to give you the yes that faith requires. I thank you, Father, that that army has risen. I thank you that you have brought us into a time where you will show your glory and you will begin to unite even those of your bride who are ready. I thank you for what that's going to look like on this earth. I'm not talking about the rapture. I'm not talking about you just taking us out of this place because we love you and and you're just ready to take us. I'm talking about the systems of this world being placed at the foot of your son. Where all his enemies are taken captive. Where he rules. Jesus Christ rules. Through his bride. I thank you. I thank you that that is coming. I pray God that you encourage those watching. Encourage those in other places in the world that feel alone. That have no physical connection around them. Maybe they're individuals or maybe they are a small church. But God, what connects them is their yes. I pray for their boldness. I pray for their strength. I pray for their endurance, Father, because without endurance, there is no faith. Faith is literally tested by endurance. 
So, Father, I pray endurance for them. I pray the fruits of the Spirit, love, peace, joy, patience, goodness. All these things I pray that you pour out to them in abundance. You are the hope of the world. The hope is an active verb, Lord. It is not passive. It is active. I hope in you. I actively hope in you. Increase that in those all around the world. as you are soon to release what it is that you will release in your power. We love you, Lord, so much. I pray that you give me your words. I give you my mouth. I give you my will. As Josh prayed, I have no desire to speak anything of me. You have my yes. You have my continued yes. I love you, Lord. Be with us this morning. Here and all those watching. Whenever they watch. In Jesus' name. Amen. There were a few of us before the Lord this week. And I want to share something with you that he said. He said it to our group, and then he said it again to me directly. And it's been sitting on my heart for a while. And I know this is a word for all of us. It's not just a word for me, not just a word for a small group. It is a word for all of us. He said three times, set your face before me. Set your face before me. Set your face before me. That doesn't mean just to look on his face. That doesn't mean just to gaze up to him. But it's literally you setting yourself before him to see his face. It reminded me of my life verse. And I want you to turn there, Psalm 27. It reminded me of this. And I want to read it. I want to begin. Verse 4 is my life verse. I'll begin there. But it... It reminded me in setting your face before his face. It it reminded me of the excitement that David had every day in seeking God. Which is what he displays in this verse. Verse 4. One thing have I asked of the Lord that will I seek after. In other words, that I will seek with everything that I am. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. All the days of my my life. That word there, to dwell, means literally to stay. Not to go and come back, but to literally remain. To stay in the house of the Lord. As, by the way, just to break any confusion, does this mean that he wants you to come and sit in a church sanctuary, you know, 24-7, and we'll just bring you meals. No, that wouldn't work out so well here. You'd have to deal with my mother on that. Right? That wouldn't work out so well. Any church, that's not what it means. It means setting your face before his face. It's a posture in our life that we are to take all the days of our life. To include him literally in everything that we do. I know that can be foreign to some. Well, you know, I I go to work and 
and you know I do my work and and then I get off and I come back and then then I spend time with God where he wants to be a part of your work you know, if you have a hard time making him a part of your work because of there being an issue with your work then you might want to reevaluate that there should be nothing in your life that you cannot make him a part of in fact, that's exactly what he wants. That's where he guides us. That's where our yes stays a yes. And that's what David's saying here. All the days of his life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. There are two things there that David desired that he wanted more than anything every day of his life. It was to gaze upon the Lord. Literally setting his face before the Lord's face. To gaze upon the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Oh, one of the joys, greatest joy in my life has been to speak to the Lord, to inquire of the Lord, and to know that I will get an answer. To communicate with Him. And, and, and by the way, not just these big things that, that we have in the movements of our life. Lord, I'm at a fork in the road and I don't know if I should go right or if, if I should go left. Because, because both seem good and, and this is such a big decision in my life. Yes, those are, those are critical moments to be able to hear the Lord's voice. I feel sorry for those who do not hear His voice in moments like that. But it's not just that. It's in every moment of our life. It's in the joy of doing something that you enjoy that you include God in. He loves that. To inquire in His temple is merely to communicate with Him. And for David, it was a back and forth. For us, it is a back and forth. And I plead to the bride that does not understand that or does not believe that. Increase your faith. Because that is exactly what he offers you. Whether you accept it or not. So we inquire of him all the time. David's desire was to stay there. Let's go on to verse 5. For he will hide me in his shelter. In the day of trouble, he will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. See, David knew the key. He knew the key of intimacy with God. He knew the key of love, of peace, of joy. He knew the key of having this close relationship with God. And that was seeking His face. And out of pure expectation, He said, do not hide your face from me because I seek your face. Your God doesn't hide His face. There is one thing that separates us, though, from his face. And that's sin. It's impurity. It doesn't separate us because God turns away, by the way. It separates us because we turn away. We literally turn around and walk in a direction of our flesh, of what we want, versus what God wants. That does Hinder the fellowship. It does break fellowship in many ways. It doesn't break your eternal ticket to heaven. We all know that. But it does hinder your intimacy with him. And what he is doing, you know, he told me 
When we were inquiring before him this past week, I asked him if I had done everything that I needed to do in declaration. Or was there anything more to do? And he said, no, there is nothing more to do. I had done everything that I needed to do. Now we have to do one thing. Wait. We wait. Now, waiting is not quite what it seems. Waiting is not just, okay, go take a nap and don't worry about anything. Waiting is also active. Waiting is expectation. Waiting is faith. Waiting is trusting in everything that he has said he will do, that he will do it. That's what waiting is. Trusting in what he's doing. And so we are to wait in that. We are to trust. Because the Lord, as he has said for a long time, is bringing this justice to this world. And we know the chaos that he has told us is coming. Don't be afraid of the chaos. I mean, there's chaos now. There's been chaos for a few years. Nothing compared to what's coming. The Lord has shown me upon the fulfillment of last week's word. And if you don't know what that is, go listen to last week. It's right at the very end. Upon the fulfillment of that word, the chaos will increase. The chaos will increase. That's no surprise. We know that's coming. We wait patiently, as patiently as we can, for the fulfillment of his word. But recognize that it is coming. So that waiting for him to do what he is doing, what are we waiting on? Literally, we're waiting on his power. We're waiting on his presence. We're not just waiting on him to go ahead and take care of everything and then, and then finally waiting some more until, until he finally takes us home. Wow, what a boring life that would be. That would be sad. That's not what we're waiting on. I want you to turn to Psalm 46. Just go a few pages over. From where we were. And in these moments of rage, of the nations raging, as we'll read here in a moment, in these moments, he gives us these lifelines, these prophetic words, these moments of his presence as we set our face before his. To give us hope, this hope that we walk in. Verse 4 in Psalm 46 says this, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. There is a pouring out of His Spirit that we have even right now. The Holy Spirit that was given at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit that is literally the vehicle that facilitates your relationship with God. It's not done without the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit speaks in those manners, literally facilitates that relationship. That has already been poured out. We're not waiting for that. That's, that's been upon us for 2,000 years. We've had access to that. Whether you take that access or not doesn't mean it's not there. It is there. That is that river that flows from God that cannot be stopped, that makes everything on earth joyful. That is for Him. 
Verse 6. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. His, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. But he makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And I love this next verse. Be still. Know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This hasn't happened yet. That's the point where we find ourselves right now. His name will be exalted. That river that flows of His Holy Spirit is about to bring a level of the Holy Spirit that we have never seen before. We've never seen it. Something else He said to us this past week. I'll just read the first sentence of it. He said, I have come to change what has not been changed before. This is not about salvation. So much beyond that. This is not even just about intimacy with Christ. Because we have that individually no matter what is going on in the world, if we seek it. If we seek him, we'll find him. This is something different. This is, as we've talked about many times, the readying of the bride. This is God bringing at a time that is appropriate to him the power of his Holy Spirit to literally do that. Now, the interesting thing is, we don't know what that means. <laughs> to change what has never been changed. I mean, we could look at a few things. This world has never been united in worshiping God, ever. I mean, the only time it was united was when it was Adam. <laughs> it was easy to unite himself and Eve, right? But since then, the entire world has never been unified in worshiping God. But yet we know that that is coming in the readying of the bride. That's part of what I believe that change is. Change that has never been changed before. That has to happen in people's hearts. It, it can't be a physical change like, well, we're going to pass some laws that make everybody worship God. Yeah, well, you know what? That's what the Antichrist will do. It doesn't work out so well for him if you read the end of the book. That's not what God does. God never forces his worship. He gives free will. He gives choice. But the change that is coming is in the power of the Holy Spirit that will reveal truth. There are hearts out there that seek truth, even though their eyes and their faith doesn't allow them to believe it. It's interesting, Alex and I have talked about this a number of times. It's the difference between Judas and Thomas. If you take out of that the, the whole bit about you know eternal security and being saved, that's not the point of this, this example. The point of this example is that one never saw him for who he is. Never saw what God wanted to do. Never saw the plan. And he rejected it. Even though, at the end, he recognized that he was wrong. Oh, and one of the saddest things to me is he said, when he went and gave the money back to, to the Pharisees, he said, take this back. I don't want this blood on my hands. 
because I have, I can't remember the wording, offended or, or, or I have, I have uh, taken the life or been part of taking the life of an innocent man. Oh, I wish he had seen him as the Messiah. But that's not the point of this. The point of this is he didn't believe at all, and his heart stayed there. Thomas, on the other hand, Thomas was one of those that said, I'll believe it when I see it. But until then, I won't believe it. If I cannot quantify it in my eyes and in, my, in my, all my senses, then I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to pour faith into it. Now, by the way, why? Why? There are so many people like that. Why are they like that? I mean, I, I, I don't know, but, but one thing that I can offer is fear. I've heard it so many times in, in conversations that we've had with people. Well, well, yeah, but I don't want to be wrong. I'm afraid of being wrong. Or, or somehow telling us that has been said many times that we're following a wrong spirit. A demonic evil spirit. First of all, if that's the case, he's doing a really bad job. And scripturally, that is so incorrect. But it's fear. It's fear to believe. But yet God promises that he will keep us when our hearts are stayed on him. When we keep our face before his face, he will keep us. He will protect us. Don't you think by giving your yes to him and something infiltrates from the enemy, don't you think God is going to show you that? Don't you think he's going to reveal that to you? Why? Because if your goal is intimacy with him, it then matches his goal. Because his goal is not just to have some drone that is obedient to him. His goal is for you to love Him, to be in intimacy with Him. So, of course, when our heart wants Him and our lives start to go the wrong direction, He shows us. Amen. There's safety in that. There's peace in that. Because without the willingness to step out in the faith, you cannot have faith. And look at the faith that has been robbed of the bride. There are so many Thomases. I would venture to say the majority, way more than the majority, I don't know, 90%, 95%. Now we'll go for an A+, plus, 98%. I don't know. But it's the majority. Don't believe in who he is. I'm not talking about Jesus as Messiah. I'm talking about what he offers his children. This intimacy that literally our yes opens up a door for him to come in and do that in our lives. Well, this I speak to the remnant. This I speak to those who have given the yes. Not to the Thomases. To the Thomases, I say, just hold on. You'll see. You'll see. Don't be afraid. You'll see. But if you wait to see, it will cost you. It will cost you what he desires for you. So I urge you, first of all, don't wait. Just believe. Open yourself up. Don't be afraid let him show you, and he will. Oh, man, alive, I went through that. Eight years ago, when, or, or around there somewhere, where, where all these things were happening to me that didn't make sense. I didn't even understand that the whole talking to me thing and, and all of that, but, 
but I just felt like he was showing me something in his word. And I couldn't get away from it because I kept saying yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Frustration. Can't figure this out. This is so different than the paradigms and traditions I grew up with. I remember saying to him, okay, you have my yes no matter what, but prove it to me. Prove yourself to me. Prove it to me in your scripture. I didn't go to anyone else. I didn't talk to anyone else about it. It wasn't about that. It was about me and it was about him. He has the power to show you his truth and verify it in his word. I'm not talking about listen to some voice and then, you know, just believe. He has given us a book that outlines his character. 66 books written by over 40 authors over the course of 5,000 years, whatever it's been. We have that. And we can see his character in that. And he never goes against himself. Oh man, that's what I counted on. When I sought him out, I, ca- <clears throat> I counted on the fact that anything he is going to do, he will prove it out. And I will, I may not be able to prove out that word in the word of God. Like Greg Twiddell, you're going to do this. Okay, I can't find my name in there anywhere. But I can know his character. And God will always require faith. When he gives that word, he says, will you partner with me in the faith of this word? And when we do, that is giving our yes. And he takes it. And he nourishes it. And he tests it. And he moves with it. So again, this next part, I do share with the remnant. Just trust. He is coming with the power of his Holy Spirit. It will not be as it was in Acts chapter 2. Don't expect that. Because that's already happened. He has already brought that. He is bringing a measure of his Holy Spirit that will rock this world. It will rock the nations. It will bring change that has never been changed. Now, how is he going to do that? I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I don't really care. As long as he does. And I pour my faith into what he is saying because if you don't believe, if you don't open yourself up to what he is saying, then you do risk that same thing that happened to Thomas who would not believe until Jesus put out his hands and he physically saw him. Man, just trust in what he's doing. Be still. Know that he is God. The remnant in moving forward with what God is doing, we don't have to raise up arms. We don't have to do physical things to take over what has been wronged. That's not what this is. This is not our fight. It is God's fight. And I would rather be on his team with it being his fight. So don't be afraid of what's coming. Don't be afraid of what's upon us. When the word that I said last week comes to pass, and at that point, the chaos begins to dramatically increase. It's not going to increase and plateau. It's going to keep going. It's going to keep going. 
Recognize that. Don't be afraid of that. Remnant, do not be afraid of it. Be excited because that is God's hand moving, nobody else's. It is God's hand that is moving. We don't have to be afraid of what's coming just to be still and know that he's God. And I I want you to go to Exodus. Go to Exodus chapter 14. And you guys know this story. This is as the children of Israel were being led out of Egypt by Moses. And you know all the miracles, all the plagues that got them out of there in the first place. And then they're moving and they come to the Red Sea. And it's interesting as you read this, it says God did this on purpose. God literally boxed them in on purpose. That's kind of the opposite of what you would think. Right? Lead us out of Egypt. Take us to the plains and get us out of here. No. It's not what God did. God said, well, no, let me, let me take you to this place where you're trapped. Where you can't go anywhere else. Except to believe and to move forward with me. And so that's what he did. So that's, that's what it's leading up to here. And, and the sad thing is, kind of how the people of Israel reacted here, but I will start there. Verse 11 of chapter 14 says, they said to Moses, it is because there are no, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians rather than to die in the wilderness. At the very least, those are Thomas's. At the very least. At the very worst, they're ones who didn't believe at all. But at the very least, they're those who that sentiment represented are those who would not believe until they saw. And what, what did Moses say? Verse 13, And Moses said to the people, Fear not. Stand firm. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Tell you what, that's a cool dad. Think about it. He said, you don't have to do anything. You just work on not being afraid. And that's what he speaks to his remnant now. Work on not being afraid. Don't be overtaken by fear by what's going on in the world right now. Don't be afraid of the buildup on the Ukrainian border with Russia. Hey, got news for you guys. It's coming. It's going to happen. So will China taking over Taiwan. That's going to happen. Why? Because the big dog in the fight is in his little bed resting. We're not a threat. Because of our leadership, we're not a threat. But we're not the ones that should be the threat anyways. The threat is God's. The threat is what God is doing. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid when you see these things happen. Literally, as as Moses said here, the Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. Now what happened with them? The Lord had Moses lift up the staff and, and had the priests step in and, and it parted the waters of the Red Sea. Man, I wish we knew exactly where that was. That's not a small place. It's not a shallow place. And they literally walked through on dry ground with walls of water on the side. You know what? When I was listening to this and talking to the Lord the other day, I thought, 
How cool that would have been. I can imagine being a kid walking through that. You know, because kids aren't afraid. Well, I mean, a lot of kids aren't afraid. A lot of kids do really stupid things. I was one of those kids. And I, I just remember thinking, you could walk by and see the, and maybe see fish swimming. And how cool it would be to just reach in there and grab one. How cool would that be? I mean, that, that and, it, and it's not just a small thing. It was big enough that it literally killed the entire Egyptian army. So, so this, is, this was a big deal. Be silent. Let the Lord fight for you. We see all these things going awry in our country and in our world. Don't worry about it. God is about to move. Now, I'm not saying if the Lord's telling you to do something, you know, just be, be silent and sit there. That's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying engage in relationship with the Lord so you can understand what He is telling you. Because I know I am not to be silent, but I am to let Him fight. And that's exactly what He is about to do. What we are to do is wait. That active waiting meaning that we wait in faith for what he is bringing. We trust him for what he is doing. Because again, and I want to end with this, the Lord is bringing a level of his Holy Spirit that has not been seen. As I said before, I can't tell you what that looks like in a general sense. I mean, I've had many conversations with the Lord of what that looks like for me. I encourage you, build a relationship with him. Ask him the same questions. He's not withholding from anybody anything. He will share with you what that means for you. He will share it in faith because faith is what he requires. But when that power comes from the Holy Spirit, it is going to be for the purpose of this harvest that is upon us. It's not about, well, the power of the Holy Spirit now means that, that okay, we're going to, you know, fight these wars and we're going to, you know, get... Roe v. Wade overturned and, you know, all this stuff, which, by the way, I'm a thousand percent for. Don't believe it's going to happen. But I'm a thousand percent for. I don't believe it will need to happen. I mean, ultimately it will be because what the Lord has said is that there will be a, another amendment to our Constitution that says life begins at conception. Well, that kind of I suppose, overturns everything. <laughs> if you want to be real real about that. I don't know when, but I know it's coming. Because he's doing all those things. And the power of the Holy Spirit will rest upon those who are ready for it. Just like they did in Acts chapter 2, but at a very different level because that part has already come. Turn to Acts chapter 1. What happened back then, Acts chapter 1 verse 7 says, He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons, for the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Then we go through... The Lord ascending, because that was one of the last things he said to them. Then they are together for ten days. And the purpose of them being together is verse 14. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, mother of Jesus, and his brothers. They were devoted 
to putting their face before his face. Did that mean they didn't do other things? No, of course not. I mean, if you read just before that, they, they chose a new apostle, you know, Matthias. They did other things. They talked about other things. But the point is, they were together in unity, waiting. Actively waiting. Because they had absolute faith in what Jesus promised. That's where we are right now. With the promise of His Holy Spirit being poured out in new measure. We are right there, actively waiting. In full faith. Of what he is going to do. And he will do it. Lex, come on up. He will do it. We just have to pour our faith into him. It's interesting how the Lord has had um, us talk a little bit about Exodus this morning with Moses and the children of Israel. Um, before we close in prayer, the one thing that the Lord impressed upon me in the silent, um, and Greg um, made sure that you understood, this is not a, a passive time of waiting, of course. But in the context of Moses saying that, and it's really important for us to remember this today, is they were told, if you would just be silent from your complaining, your griping, and your expression of fear, then you might be able to just see what God will do. And I have never heard more chatter among God's people about worry, fear, um, complaining than ever before. And yes, these are, these are times that are new and different and we're navigating through them, but what it's doing is it's revealing where people are anchored and where they're not. And where people are at rest or where they're allowing um, their lack of faith and trust to cause a turmoil and a deep unrest in them. And it shows. And sometimes the Lord is just saying, shut your mouth because the enemy every time is looking for the expression of our words to, to gain a legal document to take us as the accuser of the brethren before the courts of heaven and say, they already said they're scared to death. They don't know what's going to come. They already declared hopelessness or despair over their lives. They already declared that if this happens, it'll kill me. These types of things. And I have a legal right to now begin to fulfill that in their lives. And there's not a one of us. I mean, the Lord has had to clean up so much of, of my speech just from jesting and things that, that I didn't understand the weight of my words. But, you know, when Scripture tells us that the power of life and death is in our tongue, wow. It's like it's a weighty word. And I remember thinking it was so unattainable in Scripture to think that, oh, how do I? I was already watching every little thing I did, you know, in terms of the kind of legalistic upbringing that I was in. I didn't understand that the purity and the holiness of doing and walking righteously was the result of him in and through me was the result of living and moving and having my being in him it wasn't the the cart before the horse it was the whole the holy spirit the horse pulling the cart of my life and and then you know it doesn't get all jumbled up and so i just because i've been spending so much time in exodus as well and i just felt like the lord's just saying please just tell them to shut their mouths what they hinder what they will hinder in their own lives, even when my hand moves, what they will hinder in their own faith to be able to even see the God that I am for them is just going to be blocked by them yapping and murmuring in their tents, which sadly is what they were known for. And it, it had a devastating consequence for the first generation, didn't it? So it's so something that we can learn from today. And um, it is exciting times in which we live. And... And I just want to encourage you, uh, again, with, with what we talked about with the women, there is, you know, there is a rest and a waiting that is so far from passive because the rest and the waiting is just, again, knowing exactly what God has for us. Because part of believing is acting upon that belief. Not the, oh, let's just get a big group and, you know, storm something or do something. 
Sometimes we feel this cathartic, you know, rush of adrenaline to do something. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to just stay resolute when the noise in the spirit is so loud and you're getting so many voices and so many things coming at you, so much turmoil that can rise within you, and you just decide, no, I will have peace. I will put on my armor. I will walk in that. And that's why Isaiah promises that those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Then that strength will allow them to mount up with wings as eagles so that they'll run. They'll run and not be weary. They will walk without ever fainting. That is, a, that is an amazing promise. And those of you, if you tend to be, you know, moving quick and fast and that's kind of your pace in life, some of the hardest things I've had to do is wait in line. I, I'll never understand why people wait two hours in line for a roller coaster. Really? No, never. You know, like the waiting in anything, we just don't like to wait. That's why we're, we're a nation of just the selling of conveniences. It's like we got to have it, we got to have it now. There is, uh, so waiting is so active. And rest is a deep place of surrender. It isn't just deciding to have a calm personality and to soften your tone. Oh, how nice. No, people are in turmoil that have that tone of voice every single day, and it's all vapor. It means nothing. It is a deep surrender that I will reside in the Holy Spirit because my Almighty God has got me. And I will have that rest. That is the Matthew 11. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Give all that junk to me, and I will exchange it for my rest. Because his burden, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. I love those verses. And um, so we're living in, in very exciting times. And, um, and the last thing I'll say before we pray is always let the Lord, um, in your secret place time, in your, in your walking with him, discern the difference between reacting and responding. We are going to be responding to this war. Absolutely without a doubt. There will be, there is needs to be a rise in how we speak forth. The fact that there are so many lies in this human realm, because before, before I was talking about the spirit noise, the human realm, there is such a void of truth. It's because God's people have stopped standing the, the nonsense that's allowed to reign is because of the quieted voice of God's people. So we do need to speak, and we do need to step, and we do need to stand. But to react is where we get into danger. To react is where we can give place to fear. Just because you feel fear doesn't mean you're in fear. It may hit you, and then you stop and you go, no. God's not giving me that. The enemy's trying to introduce it, but Second Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given. He's not the one giving us the spirit of fear. But he gave us love, power, and soundness of mind. So anything apart from those three things are not of God. And I love that. And um, we actually, we did talk about the God works through his people. And I would make the case, boy, why in the world did he give us the spirit of power if it was not to wield it through us? He didn't just give us power to just sit and wait for heaven. He wants to work through his people. Praise God. Praise God. So there's exciting times ahead, but I'll tell you, there's nothing more exciting than fellowship with Almighty God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is, that is the most exciting place to be. No matter what happens externally, that is the, the joy and the peace and the, the everything that is forever. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you paid for so that we could walk in this amazing relational place with you that is beyond even your servant, but is we can be called friend. God, I just, I sometimes have no words, most of the time have no words to express just the gratitude, the love, the worship, and the praise, God, that I have. And I pray that you would open up our lips to only be in that place of worship. God, that we would not ever use our, our words and our lips for doubt, for fear, for griping, for complaining, but that we would use our, our lips to 
to praise you, God, even when it sometimes feels like a sacrifice of praise because our faith wars against what we're experiencing and we say, no, I will believe that that isn't my actual reality. My, my actual reality is what's in the kingdom. So, God, I just pray that you would strengthen our faith, strengthen our waiting. Give us the rest that is only in you and only found through just allowing all of our flesh to be crucified through the blood of Jesus. And then just replacing it with all of you, this new creation that is so beautiful that you gave us. I just love you. I praise you. Drive this word deeply home into the soil of our hearts that I pray was cultivated so that it can hear it. And we love you. And I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you.